Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Clubhouse with Mariano Bofmonte. I'm your host, Mariano. As always, I want to thank you guys for coming back if you've been here for the past few weeks. And if you're new here, thank you for showing up now, too. We have plenty to talk about today, and like we've been doing, we're going to hit all my favorites, including the tech update, screening room, main stage, Netflix top 10, our controversy of the week, or who said that, a positive story and a helpful hand of hope, and always lead out with what shows we're going to be recapping next week so you guys can follow along with us. This week, we're going to be talking about the return of Real Housewives of New York. Oh my fucking lord, they're back, thank God. And why I think that they've all just simply have had enough of Ramona, and truly, she needs to watch it. Also, we're going to be talking about Shit's Creek Season 1, Episode 3, which I would like to formally put on the record that I am now officially and forever a stan of Moira Rose. She is my... She's my journey. I was supposed to get here, and I'm just glad that I finally did. Anyway, let's get started. First up in the tech update, Disney announced that they are even closer to getting deep fakes ready for the big screen. An example of something like deepfakes would be Carrie Fisher still being able to basically be in the Star Wars franchise, even though she's, she passed away years ago. Deepfakes have been around for a while now, but the real news is that Disney was able to create a way to get them into a larger pixel amount, which means having higher quality, which means having a better chance of seeing this technology on screen. Next, a lot of companies are boycotting advertising through social media with a Stop Hate for Profit campaign. So if you haven't heard, this movement is basically holding Facebook accountable for their sleazy advertising practices. On their website, it reads, We are asking all businesses to stand in solidarity with our most deeply held American values of freedom, equality, and justice, and not advertise on Facebook services in July. They are allowed incitement to violence against protesters fighting for racial injustice. They named Breitbart News a trusted news source and made Daily Caller a fact checker, despite both publications having records of working with known white nationalists. They turned a blind eye to blatant voter suppression on their platform. 99% of Facebook's 70 billion is made through advertising. Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Honda, Hershey, Verizon, and Unilever, which all fucking big names, are stopping all campaigns they have running through Facebook and Instagram specifically, and they're even rumored to stop ads on YouTube, Twitter, and more. This is fucking crazy. These big companies, these big corporations taking a stand against Facebook for saying you either act in the way that you're supposed to, which is which is basically a neutral playing field or or an unbiased place, or we're getting the fuck out. And they they have it. Their their actions are following their words. All I can say is fuck yeah. Like do it. Keep going. This is this is going to be something that is going to be big. Next, Audi Q5 refresh. Okay, not even a refresh. I don't know why they're calling it this. This is their word, not mine, using what they're saying, but they are lying to everybody. They announced the 2021 Audi Q5 refresh that includes, honestly, I'm not positive what it really includes and what's different because Audi hasn't really done a huge update in the longest time. 
Like, for example, you see what BMW did with the new 4 Series, which is sick, by the way. They elongated the grill vertically instead of horizontally. That was a radical step. It was, you crave more of that. You crave more of what they did on their Q8. Like, that is a very forward new design. The Q5 is like, it's been the same for for as long as I can fucking remember. Like, do something different. The interior, same shit. It's like, do something different. I need more out of you. Especially when everybody's, everybody across the board is really stepping up their game and at least attempting. We talked about Lexus uh, two weeks ago, I think, about the new IS. Everybody's doing these large updates, these design language modifications. And Audi's just like, yeah, we changed the lights. Now, pay me money. Like, no, more. We need more. Anyway, the new, or whatever you want to consider it, is coming to showrooms at the end of this year. And the sticker price is going to be starting at 43300 So do not waste your money. Go somewhere else. Get a something that's not that. Next, and finally in the tech update, Apple is rumored to be toying with the idea of not including a charger with the new iPhone 12 that's slated to be out in the fall. First, in regards to the time frame, if you know, because I do, because I'm a weirdo, Apple always releases their new iPhones in September. Um, usually it's the second week or the third week of September where they hold their press conference. And then two weeks later, it's out at the store. But this year they're saying there might be a slight delay Nothing crazy and nothing we haven't seen before. If you guys remember, which you probably don't, because again, I'm a psycho and I remember these things. Back in 2017, when they released the iPhone 10, they actually didn't release it for a full month after the iPhone 8 was released. So the iPhone 10 was actually released in October. There was a small delay. That's what people are saying is going to happen this year. Like with coronavirus, the pandemic, blah, 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 blah. You've already fucking heard it before. They're thinking it might be a little delayed. Back to the real story, which is this charger not being included. There's two sides of this as well. So people are saying like, yeah, not having a charger is fucked up. You would expect like I'm paying sometimes a thousand dollars for a phone and you would expect a charger to come with it. But on the other end, environmental side of this idea, a lot of people already have chargers. That's creating a lot of e-waste. E-waste is a huge, huge problem. And by cutting out the chargers in all their iPhone 12 shipments, that would create a huge impact on lowering the amount of e-waste moving forward. As kind of like a solution and maybe a middle ground and what I would like to see happen, and again, just me, but I would like to see them give the option to people. Like, let's say you need the charger. Okay, you can purchase it at a reduced price. So if you don't want to get the charger, you don't need to get the charger. If you do want to get the charger, give it to people at a reduced price because they are expensive. Again, this is all rumor at this point. We're really not going to know until we actually get to that day because like everything with Apple, yeah, there's leaks like everybody else, but you really don't know until the day of. So we'll see. Moving on to the screening room. So first off, before we get into the Shit's Creek Season 1 Episode 3 recap, I want to tell you guys and myself, because I'm talking to myself, I finished The Politician and I fucking loved it. 
I loved it. I said we were going to do another recap, but I have no patience and I needed to finish the entire thing. So that's what I did. It was absolutely leaps and bounds better than season one. It ended so cleverly and such a neat bow. However, Peyton never actually never. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it, but he never actually answered the question that was asked of him at the end at the very end but if you guys know what i'm talking about we can have a conversation about it so here's to season three coming as soon as possible because i am so happy with the way that season two turned out because like we talked about ryan murphy has a terrible reputation of fucking up after the first season and i cannot say that he did that with this series so kudos to him Let's keep these fucking good vibes going and give me season three ASAP. Thank you for your service. Next, Shits Creek season one, episode three recap. Let me just start off by saying that I am fucking pissed that I did not find the show sooner. The comedy is hilarious. And I mean, seriously, the guy with the bushy eyebrows, whatever his name is in real life, I should have known that this show was going to be amazing. He's, he was the giveaway that this was going to be a phenomenal show. Anyway, let's get into it. So Johnny, his character, um, bushy eyebrows, is off to sell the town again. But his next major hurdle is that the town's welcome sign looks like the guy is bending the girl over the back. And it turns out it's his sister. So even better. How lovely. I love how like the certain townies are supposed to play like the self-aware choir like Stevie is. But then you also have the town mayor and the real estate agent who are like not in on the joke. But even then like Johnny's character does that too. I love it. I just love every second of it. Next, my second favorite character so far, David. When Stevie asks what jobs he's qualified for, and he says trend forecasting and art curating, I shit myself. I pooed my pants. It's like every character pendulums between being the joke or being a part of the joke. Anyway, at the end of the episode, David gets a job as a bag boy and he loses it five minutes later because his dad was calling him too much. And by the way, his dad was the one who wanted him to get the job. So that was chef's kiss. Um, also, I have a question. How old is he and Alexis supposed to read as? Like they can be teens and they can't be early 20s, right? Like... I'm being serious. I don't, I don't know how old they are. I'm not sure and I need an answer. The only downside so far of the show is Alexis. I don't want to sound crazy, but does she get any better? Like, I don't really see the need for her right now. Like, I wish that Stavros did take her to wherever the fuck he went. I feel like it would have freed up more time for Moira specifically. And let's let's get into her now. So Moira was hungry at the beginning of the episode and she decided to eat her entire pill bottle. I love that, which apparently she's done before. So fingers crossed we get more of that in the future. Anyway, she Googled herself and saw what nasty, dumb, dumb, I cannot stress this enough, dumb people were saying about her and she spiraled. But her hopes were relit once again when the mayor's wife, who is also the school teacher, 
asked her to help her students with a dare program skit they were performing. Oh my God, honestly, I'm not, I'm not going to do this any justice. But when she looked out into the class and she told the one girl she was going to grow up to have a huge ass and then the other kid that he was going to be a future baldy, hairless and homeless. Oh, with the hood. She had the hood on the whole episode. I, I cannot, I can't stand her. I can't fucking stand her for it. Oh, we're going back for more. And I, I mean it. We are. Let's move on. So Jason Momoa is going to be Frosty the Snowman in the live action film. Why? What, how, what is he going to look like? Why is this happening? It's being written, though, by the team that made Elf. So it's going to be a funny movie, I would assume, unless Jason Momoa and Frosty the Snowman um, and Aquaman are all merging together. And it's going to be a superhero action film about how Frosty the Snowman is actually a descendant of fucking Triton, which, please, God, don't do this to me. Don't make me have to watch this. Next. Mulan is getting pushed again to August 21st from July 24th after Warner Brothers delayed Christopher Nolan's Tenant for a second time as well from July 31st to August 12th. It seems as though the big guys are trying to make a move so that one of them bites the bullet first and is the first one to put out a major movie to see if people are going to show up or not. So I have a feeling though they can't do this many more times unless things get worse which is definitely a possibility um but we'll see there has been a few new show announcements this past week as well and i'm obviously telling you guys this because i know this is exactly why the four of you come here and listen to this shit um so celebrity call center on e premieres july 13th and is hosted by Nick Cannon. The show is a group of celebrities giving advice to everyday people. The celebrities include Brie and Nikki Bella, Candy Burris and Todd Tucker, Todd Chrisley, Mikey Day, Terry and Heather Dubrow, Vivica A. Fox, Nene Leakes, Lonnie Love, Dorinda Medley, Alyssa Milano, Kelly Osborne, and Shangela. The trailer looked cool. Like, it looked fun. It looked like a nice little, like, thir- I hope it's only 30 minutes, because if it's an hour, it's stupid. But if it's 30 minutes, I, w- I would, like, enjoy a little, just, like, a little viewing of it. Next up, 90 Day Fiancé stars Darcy and Stacy land their own spinoff on TLC about them just being them. No, no love to be found, just them following along in their lives. Along with them, they're bringing Darcy's daughters, as well as their parents, Mike and Nancy, who have been divorced for years but are still best friends. So Darcy and Stacy, which is the title of the show too, by the way, their first episode will air on August 16th on TLC. So Nini, this rumored show that she was trying to leave Real Housewives of Atlanta for is finally in development. It's called Glam Squad Showdown, and she's going to be hosting with Brad Gorski. I have no faith that this is going to make it to filming or that this means that she's actually going to leave Real Housewives. I think if anything, this was probably a tactic that the network is using to get her to stay on. Anyway, Terry and Heather Dubrow, they landed a new show that's also in development on E! 
called The Seven Year Stitch, which is Heather and Terry taking couples who are about to hit or just hit their seven year mark and giving the people some updating, whether it be through counseling, a little nip tuck action, whatever they need to rejuvenate their lives. Clearly, Terry has also been doing some nip-tucking of his own because I watched a episode of Botch this week and what the fuck happened to his face? The fillers in his cheeks are crazy. Heather looks more natural than he does. To finish this little segment, on a side note, when the fuck is Euphoria Season 2 airing? I need that. I don't, I feel like they did film, but I think they got cut short because of the coronitas, but I really hope that they're like able to do something because I, I need it soon, please. Please, please, I beg. Next up, the Kardashians are definitely on their way back on screen because this is the second week in the row with consistent Kardashian news. This week, Kim and company announced that Cody bought 20% of her cosmetic brand, KKW, for $200 million. And if you're as bad as math as I am, you'll say, oh, that means they're valuing the company at $400 million. Wrongo, I had to get my calculator out for this one. The company is valued at $1 billion. What the fuck? Also, if you didn't connect the dots already, Cody is the same company that Kylie sold 50% of Kylie Cosmetics to back in 2019. That's crazy. Like, Kris Jenner, the devil works hard, but Kris Jenner works harder. Sorry, she does. Also, Chloe and Tristan are supposedly, quote, giving it another try, which, and you can quote me on this, is the most ridiculous thing I've heard this year. And we've all been around for this year. Anyway, let's move on. Shane Dawson's mess. Um, every time I see his name pop up anywhere, it's because he did something weird or disgusting or just blatantly wrong. I'm not getting into it because like we talked about last week, this is a good vibes only place. But please do us all a favor, stop watching his videos, do not talk about him anymore. Let's collectively come together and agree that he does not deserve a platform enough to be re repeatedly discussed. And also with that too, people like James Charles, Tatiana, Jeffree Star, they are almost perpetuating his bullshit by making videos, talking, blah, 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 blah. Like, fuck off. Let's let him sail out to sea and never talk about him again. Next up, Marvel production is presumed to start again soon with a Falcon and Winter Soldier going back for about a week to wrap up in the fall. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings start filming again this month, and the third Spider-Man is to start production in September. This is fucking awesome. It has been over a year since the last Marvel movie was released, and it is not lost on me that this has been the worst year so far. So I think that there's a correlation there, and it should be explored more if you want my professional opinion on that. All right, let's lead out with some Bravo stuff. Sheena posted on her YouTube channel a new video that basically detailed a lot about her miscarriage. If you didn't watch the last season of Vanderpump Rules, Sheena talked a lot about her IVF journey. Um, she was freezing her eggs, 
This was a huge undertaking for her. It's a huge undertaking for anybody. I'm pretty sure she got pregnant a few weeks ago it was. And then unfortunately she miscarried. She did a whole video kind of detailing and talking about her journey and what that, you know, felt like and looked like for her. Um, let's just all positive vibes to Sheena because she deserves it. Next up, Mariah. She did not get a contract for season eight. This was rumored a few months ago that she wasn't getting a contract. She went on Instagram live with the Jasmine brand to discuss this and she spilled the team. She basically said they iced her out. If she was going to get a contract, she would have already gotten it. She was the one who casted everybody on the show except Contessa. She basically was like, I don't know why this is happening. Nobody has said anything to me. And I'm just as confused as everybody else. And honestly, I am too. I don't watch Married to Medicine, but I do dip in and out. And every time I dip in, she's in the center of the drama. She's She has her hand in the pot. And that's kind of what she was saying too. She was like, I have shown up and I have given everything every single season. She is an asset. So the way they're icing her out, it's weird. Like there has to be something there that either nobody's talking about or she's not saying, hopefully she does get a contract or at least we get a better explanation as to why she's not gonna be on for season eight. Next up, the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, the ugly stepchild of Bravo at this point. And I say that with absolutely no regret. They started filming season 15, they got cut mid-season, and they added a new housewife named Noella, who's supposedly one of Bronwyn and Vicky's friends. So this is interesting. A lot of people are saying, and I agree, that it's very worrisome that they're adding a new housewife mid-season, which that has been done many a time throughout all the franchises. They've added new housewives mid-season. However, it almost seems as though with Noella, it seems like they're literally like, please come in and save the show because we fucked up yet again, which has been about the past four years now. The show needs to be canned. They need to start fresh. They need to, I don't know why Gina is still on the show. Got it. Please, somebody give me an explanation. Um, Kelly, for various reasons, should not be on the show, including the things that she says and the way she lives her life. And then finally, Shannon, she should have been sent afloat with the rest of the fucking Trace Amigas because nobody, nobody likes any of them at this point. Finally, let's get into The Real Housewives of New York Season 12, Episode 13 Recap. We open up to our brand new mid-season taglines, which is a first in Bravo history and might I add, very exciting. I like the little refresh they did. It was almost like season 12 2.0 or like season 12B because Tinsley left and then the new taglines, which is cool. I liked it. And also around this time in every season of Every Housewives, I start thinking about what we're going to do next season. And I mean, we, because obviously I'm one of the executives at Bravo. Um, anyway, so I think that we need to do something different. I think this season was a very, it felt very like transitional to me because we had Bethany who left and then we had Tinsley that left. 
I really think that they need to add at least two housewives and possibly, and please do not send me any messages because I don't give a shit, but I think we might need to get rid of Luann. I said it and I don't regret it. I think that Luann at this point, we've seen an amazing arch for her. We've seen her married, divorced, partying, fucking pirates, becoming a girlfriend, a fiance, getting married, getting divorced again, going to jail, being on probation, becoming partially sober. Now she took her first drink. We're back at the start for Luann. So losing her, although it would suck because we don't get to listen to Feeling Giovanni every episode, I think it might be time for her to go. And then I think we could start skewing the show to focus more on the love of my life, Leah, because clearly she is the direction the show was going in. Anyway, let's get into the episode. So to start, Dorinda, Leah, and Luann go to the costume store for Luann's party. They recap the cocktails and conversation party when Dorinda and Ramona fight. Um, But Leah in her confessionals does say that she's not surprised that Ramona would basically kidnap Dorinda and Sonia to go two hours away to just help plan a party that they frankly have nothing to do with and then for her to use them for a photo op so she could get the party for free. Also, in regards to confessionals, I don't know how I feel about the at-home confessionals. They're very jarring. Maybe my eyes just have to get used to it, but I can't say I loved them. So Ramona goes to meet with the matchmaker that was featured last season um, because she's trying to find somebody. I'm getting tired of hearing Ramona trying to find somebody. She's forever been dating now, and I can't believe with all the flirting she does, she can't land somebody decent enough. Maybe it's time, possibly, to look within before we start looking out and around, perhaps. Ramona, please, okay? Anyway, moving forward. So the girls finally start talking to Elise. How fun is that? So Elise and Sonia go out to dinner and we finally see why Elise now hates Ramona. Elise says that Ramona snubbed her from going out with the girls after they went to the haunted house. Elise says that as they were going into the car, Ramona basically says to Elise, no, 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 you can't come with us, go home. It's like, oh, are you kidding me right now? That's fucked up. Like, she was with the girls the entire night. Now she can't go to drinks with you guys? Like, what, she's your little pet? She has to stay home now? That's fucked up. So next, I love Dorinda. It's just something that's, it's what I do. I think, also, this is the most that we've seen of Hannah also in a really long time. And it allows us to peel back a layer of our girl Dorinda. So Hannah and Dorinda go get a burger. And... They talk a lot about where Dorinda is in her life. She hasn't really ever been alone. And she's finally who she secretly always wanted to be, which is herself. And that comes with the bad and the good and the transition necessary to get there. And I think that's what we saw earlier this season. I think we saw Dorinda trying to finally find who she is. And hopefully we're at the other side of the rainbow for my girl. At the end of the episode, we see Luann's Halloween party come to life. And of course, Ramona is trying to leave early. It's lit- it's laughable at this point. She is so in 
completely another world. She thought the guy's gut that walked in, you think he was dressed for Beauty and the Beast or whatever. She thought it was fake. Um, she thought it was fake. Like, you cannot make this up. Anyway, the girls have had enough of her. Sonia called her right out for making everything about her. Elise told Ramona that Elise to Ramona is the friend at the bottom of the totem pole for her. And Dorinda says she used them for a free party. And even Luann is mad that she brought Missy, which is just like, why? Like, why Ramona would bring Missy, like... Ah, like, dare I say it? Is Ramona? Is Ramona slipping? It's very interesting. Next, and also at that party, Leah introduced Rob to the girls, and she introduced him as her baby daddy, which I, I love that. I love that. And then the best is, she tried to get Sonya and Rob to fuck after two. Um, also, a quick aside. As the episode was airing, Dorinda tweeted that the guy who did Ramona's party did it for free, as he does for other housewives because he gets free promo. As far as I know, the only other housewife he's done a party for is Melissa Gorga's 40th birthday, which Ramona was actually there for, and the show, Real Houses of New Jersey, showed her being there. And I'm serious, I'm not making this up. When I saw Melissa's 40th birthday, I said, whoa, this is a step up for Jersey. And now it all makes sense because homegirl got it for free. Anyway, to lead out, this has been a wild transitory season between Bethany leaving and then Tinsley, which have two completely different effects on the season, but nonetheless change the dynamics not once but twice. Hopefully they land on their feet. And to be honest, I'm not that worried for my girls, but we will definitely see as the season closes out. Let's get into the main stage. So first up, we're going to go over Billboard 200 Top 10 and Billboard Hot 100 Top 5 and Bottom 5 as always. For the Billboard 200, week ending in July 4th, we have a number one, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number two is a new entry by Bob Dylan for Rough and Rowdy Ways. Number three is Artist 2.0 by A Boogie with the Hoodie. Number four is Blame It On Baby by The Baby. Number five is Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Number six is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Number seven is Dark Lane Demo Tapes by Drake. Number eight is a new entry for Tiana Taylor, The Album. Number nine is Eternal Atake by Lil Uzi Vert. And number 10 is The Goat by Polo G. For the week ending in July 4th, for the Hot 100, we have at number one, Rockstar by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. Number two is Savage by Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. Number three is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four is Roses by St. John. Moving down to number 95, we have Need Me by J.I. Number 96 is a new entry, Pretty Heart by Parker McCollum. Number 97 is a re-entry for Morgan Wallen for More Than My Hometown. Number 98 is All In by Lil Baby. Number 99 is a new entry by AJR called Bang. And number 10 is July by Noah Cyrus and Leon Bridges. So new music this week. We had the release of Pop Smoke's album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. So I gave it a listen. I'm very conflicted when it comes to albums that come out after the artist passed. I think it's a personal opinion of mine. I just, 
I hope that the intentions simply to honor his legacy and to put out the songs that he wanted out. It sounds as though that Pop Smoke had a lot of this album already done and it was something that he was working on before he passed. But I just hope that this is for good intentions and not for anything but that. Moving forward, we have new songs this week. We had Wash Us in Blood by Kanye West featuring Travis Scott. Um, If you didn't hear, Kanye also announced that he's running for president, which didn't he try this already? Like, even if he was trying to be serious, which I don't know whether or not he is, and then listen, do what you want to do, but he missed so many of the qualifying rounds. Um, We also had Flood My Wrist by A Boogie with the Hoodie and Don Q featuring Lil Uzi Vert. We had If That Ain't God by Chris Young. Ego Death by Ty Dolla Sign featuring Kanye West, FKA Twigs, and Skrillex. My High by Disclosure and Slow Thigh. And finally, Slow Grenade by Ellie Goulding featuring Love. I have thoughts about Ellie Goulding. I think that she really dropped the ball. Like her album Delirium that came out, I think in 2015, was gold. It showed progression in her artistry. And I think that she just decided, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to just do whatever this machine pumps out. And that's what I'm going to put out. And you can tell, like, it's just, it's an uninspired. Um, I'm, I sound really harsh, but she, she did an interview on Elvis Duran and the morning show on Z100. And she said that when she starts producing a new album, she basically goes into a a cocoon and doesn't listen to any other artists because she doesn't want to be inspired by others. And like, yeah, you don't want to copy anybody. You want to create your own sound. That's fine. But you also kind of want to know like what people are listening to, like how to grow yourself, how to grow your own craft. And I feel like she hasn't done that in a very long time. And it's, it's showing, it's showing your honor. Next up in the main stage, we have Beyonce is releasing a visual album on Disney Plus on July 31st, and it is called Black is King. You have all definitely heard of this by now. It's obviously going to be so good. So the visual album is going to be a reinterpretation of sorts of her companion album to the Lion King remake called Lion King the Gift. So it's supposed to be, so again, it's going to be a visual album companion to her album that was a companion to the Lion King remake. It's a little, if you like read it, it's better than when you say it because you kind of have to like follow it a little bit. It doesn't matter. It's going to be phenomenal. Supposedly, this was supposed to come out last year with the movie and the soundtrack and the album, but for whatever reason, it got shelved. Then with the world where it's at today, Beyonce does what she does and is going to give us her latest masterpiece when we all need it. I'm beyond excited, if you can tell, and this will definitely be recapped, so just wait on it. And lastly, in the main stage, 2020 MTV VMAs will still take place this year on August 30th in New York with, quote, limited or no audience. So let's see what happens. Let's see how they make this work. But we will see soon enough. 
moving over to Netflix top 10. So last week we decided to change it from Netflix top trending to top 10 because we just kept seeing the same shit. And I, I don't like making fun of things more than one time because then I'll get accused of bullying. So I like to change it up every week. In the top 10 of the US today, we have at number one, Unsolved Mysteries. So, real cases of perplexing disappearances, shocking murders, and paranormal encounters fuel this gripping revival of the iconic documentary series. Yes, I'm going to watch every single episode. 100%. 100%. There's six episodes. I'm watching every single one of them. I will let you know what I think. Number two is Warrior Nun. Number three is The, the Babysitter's Club. Okay. Oh no, I just clicked the, no, no, no. So this says, Anne M. Martin's beloved books get her modern update in this series that follows a group of girlfriends and their homegrown babysitting business. This is gonna suck. Oh, Sophia Grace is in it. Okay, they might've done something, Your Honor, but probably not. Anyway, number four is Patriot's Day. Number five is Desperados. Number six is Town. Number seven is Floor is Lava. Floor is Lava, back again, okay. I appreciate it. Number eight is Eddie Murphy, A Thousand Words. So, oh, this is a 2012 movie. <laughs> this isn't new. This is 2012, okay. So you guys probably already know about this. Number nine is I Now Pronounce You, Chuck and Larry. This was a fucking hilarious movie. And number 10 is Double Jeopardy. Moving on to Who Said That? So, okay. Are y'all ready for some absolute mess? This is so exciting. So word on the street is that Will Smith and the queen herself, Jada Pickett Smith, have an open marriage. Now, listen, I operate under the values that whatever floats your boat is cool with me. As long as y'all are fine with it and you're not hurting other people in the process, go for it. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. So supposedly, Will gave Jada the go-ahead to start fucking around with August Alzina, who frankly, I have no idea who this man is. I have no idea. I'm sorry to this man. If I saw him walking across the street, I would have no idea who he is. I googled him and I'm still not quite sure who he is. Anyway, after August said that, Jada put out a statement saying that it's completely false. However, however, no one has thus far said that the open marriage isn't true. That's some fucking tea right there. And then, of course, because Twitter is my favorite and least favorite man-made invention right behind Pop-Tarts, they found this video of Jada and Will on Jada's show, The Red Table Talk, that airs on Facebook, with them saying something like, we live in the same house, but I'm lying over there with this joker and you're lying over there with that joker. As long as we're still living under the same roof, then we good. And I said, excuse me, bitch. Are you serious? So anyway, basically, it's all hearsay, and I'm getting way too excited about this story, but Jada is rumored to be going on her show to address everything, so fingers crossed, because I would love to see it. I need to see it, okay? I need it. Anyway, that could honestly, that could have doubled as the helpful hand of hope, just because it was, it's such a exciting story. And although like this might suck for Will and Jade on the back end because they're probably like, I can't believe this. Our marriage is an institution. Everybody's making fun of it. And I'm over here saying this could have been a positive story. Anyway, 
our actual positive story in the helpful hand of hope for this week is that Disney Plus joined Comic-Con at home, which is very positive for me because I'm excited about what they're going to be presenting, which is going to be the Phineas and Ferb movie, Candace Against the Universe. Phineas and Ferb are back, guys. How exciting is that? Marvel's also doing a panel called 616 and The Right Stuff, which is one of their new projects that is coming out very soon. Um, Comic-Con at Home is going to be July 23rd to the 26th. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of news that comes out at that time, so we will definitely get into all of it. Um, just so exciting. All right, let's wrap this up. So next week's topics, we have Real Hazards of Beverly Hills is a back. So of course, we're going to be recapping that train wreck. So that's going to be season 10, episode 9. Make sure you watch. And so for this second one, it was a toss up again. I had a toss up. Zac Efron is supposed to be releasing his new show, Down to Earth. I'm assuming this is the show that he almost died on. It doesn't look like that kind of show. And then also Amy Schumer has a documentary coming out on the 9th. It's a three-part series following her journey through her pregnancy and filming her fucking hilarious Netflix special called Growing. Um, it's on HBO Max, which is their new streaming service. Um, which, by the way, can we talk about how all these streaming services is already getting so annoying? Um, anyway, I'm going to sign up for the free trial and watch this and cancel. Um, so let's do episode one of that, actually, and then maybe go back for more. This week, we'll do episode one of Amy Schumer, and then next week, we'll do Zac Efron after all the reviews are out, and we'll see whether or not it's worth our time. Amy Schumer, I have more faith in, so we're going to go for that. All right, let's wrap this up. So as always... Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And Andy, I'll see you soon.